It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to the Standing Room Spartans podcast powered by StandingRoomSports.com. I am your host, Kevin Parker. Welcome back. Episode three. If you have listened to the previous two episodes, thank you so much for coming on back. If you are joining us for the first time, stick around. Don't be shy. Stay a little while. Go back and, and listen to the first two episodes where we detailed Everything about our new head coach, Mel Tucker, in the first episode. Second episode, we went through Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Uh, Today is going to be Scotty Hazleton, defensive coordinator's turn. And basically what we've been doing here, pretty simple breakdown. We'll go through the history the some of the analytics, a little bit of you know personnel tendencies some uh you know philosophies coaching philosophies and then dig into with the film a little bit that's something that uh i pride myself on is is actually going through and watching film and and seeing how they attack a certain offensive look in terms of the defensive coordinator what kind, when are they bringing pressure what kind of personnel groupings are they doing we we talked quite in depth about jay johnson in episode two, again, go back and check that out and talked a lot about what's their, what are they doing with pre-snap motion? What are they doing in different situations? And, and again, it's something I pride myself on. It's something that, you know, I don't think we get enough of is actually sitting down and watching these guys. You know, when we have some new coaches coming in here, I think it's super important to, of course, read up on what they're doing. And and again, there's some awesome analytics folks out there who are really breaking some of this stuff down. But, you know, as a football guy, I really like to take a seat and, and really see with my own eyes what these guys are doing. So Scotty Hazleton's up today. Uh, before we get to that, though, I, I did want to touch on the fact that Michigan State has announced that there will be students on campus in the fall. Uh, what does that mean for college football? I'm not really sure, but it's definitely a good sign, right? So we don't know. There's been a lot of talks. The The Ohio State athletic director, the Michigan athletic director, have been quite vocal uh, that they need fans in the seats if, if they're going to put out their product. To me, I mean, these guys are raking in millions and millions and millions of dollars on a year-to-year basis. I think they can afford a year where uh, 
they're not pulling in that level of income and they're only working off of the TV deals with, you know, the Big Ten Network, ABC and and that kind of stuff. So to me, I, I, I lean always on the side of the players in terms of getting paid and compensated, especially, I mean, thank God they finally put through that, that they were allowed to make money on their own image and likeness. I, that's been a ridiculous part of college sports for years that they can go ahead and sell your jersey they can you know put your face on advertising they can do all that kind of stuff but you can't go down to the to the you know local mall and sign a couple autographs for a hundred bucks that's been a ridiculous part of college football and, and college basketball that i'm glad they're finally getting rid of but in in terms of this season i mean what is again what does this mean I don't know. I, I like to look at it pretty optimistically and say we're, we're starting to see, you know, the NBA is has basically announced that they're going to be coming back. The NHL has basically solidified that they will be coming back in the playoffs. The NFL has been very, very firm from day one that they'll be starting the season on time. And of course, college and professional are two completely different playing fields when it comes to this and and insurance and you know how the players aren't being compensated so how does that factor in but you know at the end of the day it is a good sign so we're all i'm sure hoping that we're going to get college football in the fall with fans without fans whatever it is i hope that my saturday afternoons will be watching spartan football and i'm sure all you guys out there too so just wanted to touch on that real quick before we got into it because that is something that's been in the news recently regarding Michigan State. But again, today is about our new defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazelton, the man with the epic beard, uh, born and raised in Colorado, and and he he looks it, right? He looks like a mountain man. I, I absolutely love it. So like I said, we're going to start off with the history, you know, where he comes from, how that, you know, bring in some context and, and how that really will influence what he will do in East Lansing and what we can expect from him. We'll talk about a, a few things that, that I've read about him. And then, uh, again, dip into the film. I, I watched two full games of Scotty Hazleton's Kansas State defense against Mississippi State and Texas. Um, a couple of uh, different kind of offenses, a couple different teams. There were some games against in Oklahoma, but the fact of the matter is that there aren't really any Oklahoma type teams in the Big Ten. So while, you know, I, I can sit down and watch that, and I'm sure I will because that was a Kansas State win, uh, one of the biggest games of college football last year that I really want to sit down and watch. But in terms of breaking down what we're going to see from Scotty Hazleton and his defense, what he does against an Oklahoma offense is probably going to be a bit different than what we see against most of the Big Ten offenses. You know, maybe you could say Ohio State runs something a little bit similar, but Ohio State definitely more predicated on a, on a power running game. Oklahoma is really going to spread you out and and gives you a little something different than we see in the Big Ten. So Mississippi State and Texas, two teams that definitely like to run the football. They definitely, especially when we're looking at Texas, they can definitely throw it around a little bit. So I wanted to get a couple balanced offenses like we see in the Big Ten um, to get a better idea of of what we're going to see 
from him moving forward. So let's jump into his history. So he played linebacker at Fort Lewis College in Colorado, a D2 program, started his coaching career at Fort Lewis, went back to his alma mater, coached the DBs for three years before being promoted to defensive coordinator for a year in 1999. So, I mean, three years into his coaching career, he's getting promoted to a DC. Granted, it's Division Two, but uh, that that's a quick jump from basically starting your coaching career to being a, a college defensive coordinator. From there, in 2000, moves to North Dakota State, somewhere that he will end up returning to, but this as a grad assistant for two years. Uh, 2002, was hired as the DB's coach at, at St. Olaf, and, and you know, something that I, I was very curious, you know, St. Olaf, where the hell is that? Um, it's a small liberal arts school in Northfield, Minnesota. And, you know, I I, I just put it into Google. Uh, I wanted to learn some things about St. Olaf, where, where Scotty Hazleton spent two years as the defensive backs coach. Uh, the Let's see here, the student population of about 3,000. And, uh, you know, they're they're kind of tagline on their website. So at St. Olaf, we don't turn out typical college grads. We turn out Oles, O-L-E-S, Oles. Oles are the people that companies want. Oles are the people the planet needs. Let me ask you, are you an Ole? Scotty Hazleton is definitely an Ole. Again, spent two years as the defensive backs coach there in D3 football. Moved on as the defensive coordinator again in Division Two at Missouri Southern State. Went to Michigan Tech for a year. Uh, coached up the linebackers before going back to North Dakota State. And, and this is kind of where his career takes off. So spending a lot of time in D2, D3, and obviously North Dakota State, uh, Division Two program, but uh, at one of the best in the country, obviously, but that wasn't the case when he got there. And this is really important. Now we know North Dakota state is the program that's winning a national championship basically every year, turning out Carson Wentz and Easton stick. And they got another kid whose name is escaping me, who could be a first round draft pick at quarterback next year. Trey Lance, I believe. Um, now we know them as this powerhouse program. At the time that he was hired there in 2007 to coach the defensive line, they had never even made the playoffs in Division II football. So he's coaching the defensive line there for three years, um, and they continue to get a little bit better. And in 2010, Scotty Hazleton's promoted to the defensive coordinator at North Dakota State. Now in 2009, the previous season, North Dakota State was 90th in the country in scoring defense. 2010, Scotty Hazleton's first year, they were 7th. So they went from 90th to 7th in scoring defense in the country. He helped coordinate them and, and brought them their first playoff berth in program history. 2011, again, the defensive coordinator, his second year, they have the number one scoring defense in the country. They're national champions, their first national championship. They gave up 27 points in four playoff games combined, six points in the title game. And that's, again, really where his career took off in those two years 
coordinating that North Dakota State defense, and and the numbers show it. I mean, I mean he did a tremendous job there. Vaunted straight up to USC. So 2012, his first Power 5 job, coaching linebackers under head coach Lane Kiffin at USC. Was there for one year. I think they won eight games, went to a Sun Bowl, something like that. Uh, before getting hired on at Nevada as a defensive coordinator. So this is his first Division I defensive coordinator job. Uh, d- didn't have a whole lot of success in his one year there. They were 4-8. and eight. Um, Didn't have a great defense, but only, only one season. Um, and then he goes to the NFL, 2014, Jacksonville Jaguars assistant linebackers coach. And you think, well, assistant linebackers coach. He was coaching linebackers with Robert Sala. Now, if you if that name sounds familiar, from Dearborn, Michigan, and the defensive coordinator for the Super Bowl runner-ups, uh, San Francisco 49ers. So if you're going to share a, a linebacker coaching position with anybody, uh, Robert Sala is not a bad option. So he spent three years uh, in Jacksonville assisting with Robert Sala. Again, you know, they're in the room together. 2016, the defensive coordinator that year was Monty Kiffin, a, a legend in terms of uh, defensive game planning in, in football over the last you know generation. Head coach was Gus Bradley, who is basically famous for the Seattle Seahawks uh, cover three zone scheme when you think of that Legion of Boom. And that's something we're going to talk a lot about in this episode. Um, but that's kind of his foundation, Scotty Hazelton, coming from Gus Bradley, is that cover three zone. And and we'll break down, you know, you hear it, you probably play with it on Madden. We'll break down a little bit of the pros and cons of the cover three um, in a second here. But but that's really where that took root in Jacksonville with Gus Bradley, who's one of the architects of that defense. 2017 goes back to college football with Washington or Wyoming, excuse me, as a defensive coordinator. Two years at Wyoming, uh, coaching up the defense. 2017, number one in the country in takeaways, 38 takeaways on the year, number nine in scoring defense, went eight and five that year. 2018, a little bit of a step back, but still top 30 in the country in points and yards allowed. His job that he did in those two years in Wyoming were outstanding. That brings us to last season at Kansas State. Gets hired on as the defensive coordinator. Gets a a cool $550,000 to be the defensive coordinator there. Where he turned that that program around real quick. Uh, Second in the Big 12 in points per game. Uh, they were their points per game average was the best since 2003 for the program. They were second in the country on third down defense. Uh, they went eight and five on the year and really had a tremendous season in terms of Kansas State football. He held every single opponent that they played on the schedule under their season average except for West Virginia. So. 12 out of 13 games, they held their opponent under their average. Uh, you look at a couple, they shut out Bowling Green. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, their high-powered offense, they held them to 26. Baylor held them to 31. TCU to 17. Oklahoma, a couple points under the season average and got the win. 
Uh, Kansas, they held them to 10 points. Texas, they held them to 27. Texas Tech held them to 27. Iowa State, 17. Navy, 20. Every single team on the on the schedule except for West Virginia, again, keeping them under their season average and just did a tremendous job. Head coach there, Chris Clay, Chris Kleeman, um, who was actually the guy who took over for Scotty Hazleton as the defensive coordinator at North Dakota State. Um, he, he was the head coach at North Dakota State for a while, winning a bunch of national championships. So when you really kind of look at it all in the bigger picture, he's he's been a defensive coordinator calling defenses for 10 years. He spent three years in the NFL. He was a part of a national championship at North Dakota State back in 2011 and and has a lot of experience. You know, you're going back to 1996, 10 years calling plays on defense. This is a guy at the age of, I believe, 46 years old that has a ton of coaching experience already and a guy that when you look at that $950,000 that they're giving him, I think it's well-deserved. You know, I talked about Jay Johnson in, in episode two where we gave him a lot of money over almost a million dollars, $975,000. And I, I didn't see the results over the course of his career to make me feel 100% comfortable. I, I mentioned I was hesitantly optimistic Scotty Hazleton, I, from everything I you read about him, from from what I see with my eyes watching the Kansas State defense, I think that is he's worth every penny of that nine hundred fifty thousand. And when you hire a defensive coordinator, especially this late in the process, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. And and again, going back to Michigan State, props to the athletic department for shelling out that kind of money and and really showing that they're willing to spend and and willing to jump jump into that upper echelon of college football. So Scotty Hazleton, a well-deserved $950,000. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the, there's a lot of things to like about him. He's a, he's a player friendly coach. Colton Pouncey was writing an article on the athletic, breaking him down and, and talking to some of his former players uh, his former players have said that you know that they have a voice in the film room. It's it's not just some old coach up there with his chewing tobacco, you know, saying calling out everybody for being an asshole and and being an idiot and why the hell are you doing this? You know, he really wants his players to have a voice. So when you see a mistake or when you see something positive, you know, you stop the film, you turn and and hey, what did you see here? Why did you do this? You know, what what can we how can we change our defense here? You know, how can we change this look up? What are you seeing on the field? He really wants his players to have a voice, and that's really important um, when you're looking at you know a guy that the players are gonna are gonna like. You know, he's already gotten to know these players personally. He's he's talked about meeting up with Antoine Simmons on Zoom, Shakur Brown, Xavier Henderson. He's already got nicknames for them. He's talking about their family and their dogs. This is a guy that, you know, he he really seems to be involved in the players' lives and and the guy that really wants to to play a part in that. Um, and, and again, when you, you look at a player-friendly coach, the, this guy has everything you look for. Um, a couple other things about him before we jump into the actual defense. One quote that I, I read in this article by, by again, by Colton Pouncey in The Athletic, 
they did a really good job breaking him down. Um, his quote was, I've been in Division Three. I've been in the NFL. And the cool thing is it's all ball. And I love that, man. He, again, he spent a lot of time in Division Two and Division Three football. He spent three years in the NFL. He spent a, you know, a year at USC. He's been all over the place. He's been to completely different situations from St. Olaf uh, to USC, from you know, Missouri Southern State to, to now Michigan State. And he's been to the NFL. He's been to Michigan Tech. This guy's been all over the place, but to him it's all football. And I absolutely love that mentality. I absolutely love the way he approaches life, the way he approaches the game. The way he approaches his players is awesome to read about and really excited for him to to have a voice and to see what he's like at press conferences and see how he interacts with the media and his players. I, everything you read is positive, and I really like this guy and what he brings from that perspective. Now you start thinking about what what he's going to bring on the field, and again, this is where you know you read a little bit about some analytics and and what I saw on film. So the cover three zone again, that's going to be the primary staple of his defense. And to give you a quick, let's say cover three one hundred one. You know, if if you're just a casual football observer and you hear cover two, cover three, you play with it on Madden. Well, to give you a quick two minute breakdown here. Basically, you're going to have, in Scotty Hazleton's form of the cover three, you're generally going to be running four down linemen. He's running two linebackers and a nickel. But either way, you're going to have your two corners on the outside, your free safety up top, and your strong safety is going to be down in the box, generally speaking. You think about those Seattle Seahawks defenses. Right, You had the two big physical corners on the outside, Richard Sherman and Brandon Browner. You had Earl Thomas floating over the middle as that single high free safety who's up there by himself. And then you had the strong safety, Cam Chancellor, who's down in the box basically playing linebacker. Right, And that's kind of what you envision with the Scotty Hazleton defense. So you have the two corners on the outside. They're both responsible for the deep third, the deep outside. So your cover two, they're playing close to the line of scrimmage. They're playing maybe 15 yards, 10 to 15 yards deep, and then the safety takes over. The cover three, the corner, you're basically responsible for that deep, deep side of the field. So if your wide, wide receivers running vertical, you're running with them the whole way. You have your two outside corners. That are, that are playing the deep thirds on the outsides on the, on the sidelines. Then you have the free safety who's over the top. Your free safety is a single high. He's roaming the middle of the field. That's where the term cover three. You have the three deep zones. Your cornerback, your free safety in the middle, and your other cornerback. Now the zones on the, on the interior, on the shallow ends, are, are going to be your strong safety your nickel corner in this situation, and your two linebackers. Now, the cover three defense is great because on, on one end, you're you're allowing less big plays, right? Traditionally, a lot of teams are running cover two, where you have two deep guys. Here you have three deep guys, right? Basic common sense will tell you that you're probably going to allow less deep balls, less big plays down the field. 
Um, you have less ground to cover for your free safety. He's responsible for a third of the field and not a half of the field. And it gives you a nice balance of run and pass defense. And again, your strong safety is going to be playing in the box. So you're prepared to, to run, uh, to, to stop the run. And, and you have this cover three deep where, where you're prepared to stop the pass. So it's, it's a really good defense for your first and second down because you have a nice balance of run and pass defense. And whatever the offense is going to give you, you're prepared for it. Uh, your, your defensive line, again, you're rushing four on, on any given down. So your defensive line has to be disruptive. In the in this case, we're running a lot of nickels, so hopefully they can they can hold their own against the run. Uh, but the, but that's going to be the positives of this defense. A couple negatives: it's not great against some spread looks where they're throwing a lot of underneath routes, a lot of screen passes. Because again, your corners are responsible for their deep deep thirds. So if your corner if your receivers running a quick screen, if they're running a quick slant. Your corner's not really going to be prepared for that because their first priority is making sure they're not giving anything up over the top. So you're, you're going to give up some, some quick chunk plays, five yards here, seven yards there, eight yards there, and, and you have to be okay with it. right? From time to time, it can be a little bit of a bend but don't break. You're going to give up some stuff underneath. Um, and the and the other thing is it does require a smart corner and a physical corner because uh, on one hand you do need to to be responsible for that deep third so you cannot give up if there's a play action you can't bite you you're responsible for that deep side um, but on the other hand you you're a big part of the run defense on the outside if they're running a stretch to the outside you have to diagnose that pretty quickly. And hold your own on the edge there because you're the you're the outside guy. You're the boundary. So, just a quick you know cover three one oh one for you. Again, it's it's good against the run in the pass, so it's good on first and second downs. You're not going to give a whole lot. You're not going to give up a whole lot of deep balls. You're not going to give a whole lot vertically, but it is a bit susceptible to to some dink and dunk underneath stuff. So you got to be ready for a little bit of bend, but bend but don't break mentality you might give up a few yards as long as you keep them out of the end zone now why this is also important is that scotty hazelton is going to run that cover three zone about 66 percent of snaps in 2018 from what we saw so he's running zone basically two-thirds of the season uh man coverage on 23 percent 24 percent which is going to be basically a lot of blitzes. And he's not going to run a whole lot of man coverage if they're not blitzing. So that's what you start to see on film, right? The analytics will tell you 66% of uh, pass plays there in cover three, and, and they're running man 24%. Uh, when you start watching film, it's okay, these man coverage plays are basically all blitzes. And so his base defense, he's running that cover three zone just about every time. And that's what you see when you watch it. And again, we went through two games at Mississippi State and at Texas, both road games that I'm just now thinking about. Uh, but two teams that that give you a little bit of, of what you're going to see in the Big Ten. Some teams that like to run the football, 
some teams that you know aren't aren't that Baylor or or Oklahoma or Texas Tech type of Big Twelve teams that that we're just not going to see in the Big Ten. Um, and and some takeaways here is a lot of what we've just brought up. His primary base defense is going to be the four-two-five. So he's got four down linemen just about every single snap. He's got two athletic, fast linebackers. Now, part of that may be what he's looking for. You know, I'm interested to see what kind of guys were recruiting at the linebacker position. Um, part of it might have just been what's on the roster. But again, you run in two linebackers that at Kansas State were both fast, athletic players. Um, even third and long, I saw third and 29. They're playing with four down linemen and they're bringing four man pressure. Very, very rarely are you going to see him come with less than four. I think I saw one snap in two games where they came with a three man pressure. You're just not going to see it. And that's something that I, I do like um, because you get a lot of these. If you're playing a good quarterback and you're running a three-man pressure, if he has enough time back there, he's going to find somebody. It's only a matter of time. So when you're playing in Ohio State, when you're playing a, a generally a Penn State, a Michigan, a team with a capable quarterback in your Russian three, they're going to find a spot. They're going to find a five-yard, 10-yard, 20-yard completion eventually. And so coming with four guys, you know, again, we saw on third and 29 against Mississippi State that he's bringing four. And just to, to make sure that you're not giving them all day there. So you're going to see four down linemen, which as far as the recruits that Antonio has been bringing in, the recruits that we had, the guys that we have on the roster, we shouldn't really see a whole lot of a problem. D'Antonio's been running a traditional base 4-3 for a long time now. So the defensive line recruits, the defensive linemen that we have on the roster, aren't going to be asked to do anything too differently than what they've been asked to do recently. Again, the, the biggest thing that my concern right now is going to be the linebackers. Uh, you know, when you look at your your traditional Mark D'Antonio linebacker, Mark, you know, Max Bola, Riley Bola, Greg Jones. These are downhill thumpers. Uh, some guys that are going to play that 4-3 middle linebacker, run stuffing guys who can come in on a blitz and, and power rush a center. But the from what I saw in these in these two games, Again, these Kansas State linebackers were making plays all over the field. They were fast. They were athletic. And and we have a guy like Antoine Simmons on the roster, which which is really a benefit to what Scotty Hazleton wants to do. But when you go down the depth chart, how many of those athletic linebackers do we have? Not really sure. So that's going to be something where we might see some young players stepping in the next couple of years as he tries to bring in more of his mold. Uh, but the defensive backs, again, we have some guys on the roster that I can f see fit fitting into what he wants to do uh, on the defensive end. So, again, we, we've had guys recently, you know, you look at Darquez, Denard, Trey Waynes, who fit that cover three defense perfectly. So it's something that D'Antonio has recruited. It's something that D'Antonio has liked. But it's, you know... It, 
it's a young roster and there's a lot of these guys who haven't really gotten a lot of playing time. I think Xavier Henderson will fill the the strong safety role beautifully uh, if that's where we decide to go. But uh, my biggest concern is the linebackers. You know, I, I don't know other than Simmons who else that we have that can really play sideline to sideline at the college level. So that'll be interesting to see. But you go back through again some of his tendencies and some of the things that I liked, some of the things that I saw in these two games. Third down, uh, I took that's one thing that I really like to look for on a defensive coordinator is what are you doing on third down, especially third and long? Are you are you going to sit back and and try to prevent them making the big big play? Are you going to sit back in coverage? Are you going to come after him? And Scotty Hazleton is coming after you, and I absolutely love that. Third and long, basically every single time through two games that there was a third and and six, seven or longer, they're either bringing pressure or showing pressure. So they're either bringing the linebackers on a blitz, they're bringing a nickel corner on a blitz, or at the very least they're bringing those two linebackers right up on the line of scrimmage and showing blitz. And then they'll back out at the last second. So you're really making the quarterback think. You're really making the quarterback worry and keeping him on his heels on third and long. And and I really like that showing it being aggressive on third down. I I hate sitting back in coverage and letting the offense dictate what they want to do. I want to dictate from the defensive side. I want to bring my pressure. I want to at least show my pressure and make you think about it and and try to make you really defend what, what I'm doing because I want to attack all the time. And on the defensive side of the ball, especially on third and long, Scotty's attacking, and I really like that. They, they bring some stunts pretty effectively where the defensive end and the defensive tackle are switching basically after the snap. Defensive ends curling in on the inside, defensive tackles coming outside occasionally they'll they'll do some stuff there um again your corners are are playing that cover three they're they're really a lot of times they'll come up at, at the line of scrimmage and then they'll back off at the last second they'll, they'll try to show a cover two and then back out they're doing a lot of different things you know i don't know if if that's scotty hazelton by design i don't know if that's something where he's giving these guys the freedom on the field to make some of these decisions uh, but but you will see occasionally that these guys will come up on the line of scrimmage and and play like they're playing a cover two, and then they'll back out and give you a little cushion right off the right off the snap there. Um, you're a couple things again that I really liked. Thirty seconds left, so Mississippi State. There's thirty seconds left in the half. They're on their fifty yard line, um, and, and so they're really going in, try to get in at least field goal range, trying to get some points. On back-to-back plays, Scott's bringing pressure. He's bringing six guys on a blitz, uh, six guys right at the line of scrimmage. And again, that's you're looking at some of these kind of two-minute drills and defenses are sitting back and trying not to give up the big play, and he's dialing up some pressure. Now, in general, some a couple criticisms. I, I would like to see more pressure. Um He's he's bringing it on third down, but on first and second down, almost exclusively through two games, 
he's playing their base cover three in a nickel formation. And I would like to see him mix it up a little bit. I know they're college kids and and you don't want to, you're not running a super complex NFL scheme where they're bringing something different on every play. And I understand that, but I would like to see them do a little bit more blitzing on first and second down, bring, bring something a little bit different to the table from time to time on first and second down mix in some cover too. You'll, you'll see it a couple times a game, but you know, very rarely on first and second down, does he get out of his base defense? So that's something I'm going to be looking for at, at Michigan state. If he continues that trend or if he switches that up a little bit, but really, you know, to, to kind of wrap it up here, a couple of the big takeaways, you know, I, I really like the hire. I, I like the history that he has. I like the experience you know, from lower levels of, of college football to the NFL to, to USC, he's been all over the place. He's been coordinating defenses for 10 years, which is awesome that he has that experience, being the one calling plays, being the one designing the playbook. Uh, I, I really like that about him. I love that he's a player-friendly coach. You know, everything you read about that is awesome. And I, I really like the cover three system. It, it's simple for the players. It's something that, again, you're not going to give up too many big plays, but as long as your defensive front four is disruptive, you you can make some plays. You can get to the quarterback a little bit. He's bringing pressure on third down, which I love. Uh, But a couple question marks, a a couple things that I'm concerned about is especially in year one and year two, do we have the linebackers that are going to fit this system? Again, Antoine Simmons, it fits it like a glove. I think that's a perfect fit for what he does, playing sideline to sideline, being able to run all around the field, a super athletic player. But do we have another guy on the roster that can fill that role effectively? Or is that going to be a spot where we're that's going to be a weak point for the next two years? I'm not really sure. That's, that's a big question mark for me right now. Who do we have that can play that single high free safety who's really roaming around the back end making plays? Again, think of of a Seattle Earl Thomas and and that kind of role. Who do we have on the roster that can play that style of football that can really just ball hawk in the back end and and run to the sideline and, and pick off a pass? I'm not really sure that we have that guy right now. The defensive line, they have to be disruptive. They have to be making plays with just four guys on a a down-to-down basis. I really like Naquan Jones in the middle as a run stuffer. If, you know, again, in this this system where you're running two linebackers, you you better have a a good run stuffer in the middle, and I think he does that really well. Um, You look at Jacob Panisilk coming around the edge is a guy that I like the potential of, but... I'm not really sure with with all of the the turmoil from from guys graduating from guys going pro that I'm not really sure and I don't think anybody really knows what we have on this defensive line coming into this year. We know Panasuk's a proven commodity. We know Naquan Jones should be good, but you know in limited snaps that we've seen him over the last few years, so a couple question marks, some things that I'm going to be looking for, but overall, I absolutely love the hire. Uh, really excited to have Scotty Hazleton in town. So over the next couple of weeks, again, make sure you come on back. 
I really appreciate all the support. Follow me at Standing Room MSU on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Or if you start search Standing Room Spartans, you'll be able to find me. Uh, we uh, should be on Apple Podcasts very, very soon. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts uh, right now. So make sure you subscribe. Um, as soon as we get on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to do some mailbag stuff, some promotions for you. Uh, really excited to get to that. Um, but again, make sure you come on back, tell your friends, tell your family. We're really excited to get this thing off the ground. Again, the plan is over the next few weeks to do probably two or three a week, uh, two or three episodes a week. I got some stuff planned to give you a nice backlog over the off season. And then the rest of the off season, depending on, um, you know, the support, depending on what we can, what we can get either one or two episodes uh, a week for the rest of the off season. And those will probably, if it's once a week, we'll probably be dropping Monday morning. And if it's twice a week, I'm thinking Monday and Friday morning. So I will definitely keep you guys updated again, follow the Twitter at standing room MSU, and I will give you all the updates there. Make sure you tell your friends and family again, I really appreciate the support um, it's awesome to see some of the messages I've gotten that people are happy that I'm back. So, um, come on back next episode. We'll be, uh, actually I, I have a couple ideas. I, I've been talking about doing a, a top five, uh, MSU game, like favorite game moments, um, with a couple of my friends. So if we can schedule that, uh, that would be awesome. And if not, uh, the next episode will likely be a quarterback breakdown. So um, it, it'll either be something fun with a couple buddies, just having a couple drinks and, and talking about our favorite memories over the last, you know, over our lifetime of MSU football or, or starting off our, our positional breakdowns where we're going to go through the the players that we have on the roster and the position coach because more than likely on this staff, it's going to be a new guy. So uh, come on back. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful morning, evening, afternoon, jog, dog walk, workout, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Take care, folks.